Hello, Podcast Nation. I'm so, so excited. The infamous, the one and only Sam Hewitt is here. She is the Director of Realtor Development with the best brokerage in the world, Royal Page Signature. Sam, thank you so much for making the drive and for making the time. And I know this because you have no time whatsoever. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming to speak your truth on the Be Great, Be Kind, Steve Kim Experience podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate being uh, asked as a guest. I, I, I love you, love everything you're doing. When I was thinking of it, when I was conceptualizing the podcast, you were like at the forefront. I'm going to be honest, I was always nervous to ask you because I just knew how ferociously busy you were being a rock star, <laughs> director of realtor development, a phenomenal mother, wife, like you wear so many hats. So I was so nervous because I knew if I asked you, you'd say yes. Of course. But if you said yes, I knew you were sacrificing time elsewhere. So I was always reluctant to ask you. Nice. So thank you so much. So uh, so Sam Hewitt, let's get right into, right into it. For maybe the one or two people who don't know who you are, <laughs> <laughs> tell us, who is Sam Hewitt? Who is Sam Hewitt? Yeah. So uh, Sam Hewitt, I actually wrote my like personal ad if I was yeah. single, I'm not single, but in case I was. Uh, Sam Hewitt is a, uh, a wife, a mother. Uh, Sam Hewitt is a working woman raising humans. Uh, I am the uh, director of realtor development for Royal Page Signature, which okay. is basically a fancy way of saying my mandate is to um, help our sales team achieve their goals okay. and, and help sort of develop them and you know skills and, and confidence and mindset mm -hmm. and all of these sort of pieces of the puzzle and as a, as a former um, top selling realtor I think I'm pretty well qualified to do that so I'm sort of Signature's unofficial cheerleader uh, or official cheerleader really I mean your Signature's mother <laughs> I feel like no, no like, <laughs> like I've even heard from other agents Sam Hewitt is the mother of our office yes like you go to her before you go to anyone else yeah so it's such a it's a such a massive compliment. Thanks. But you were pulled in virtually every direction at all hours of the day. How do you shut off? Uh, I don't. Yeah, I like, don't. Yeah, that's actually one of the things I'm working personally on right now is um, stillness. And uh, my uh, my coach tells me that uh, we came up with this thing called the Island of Calm. Okay. I so when, like I, when, this. I'm having, when I'm having those days or those moments or those weeks where I have hair on fire, yeah. I, I sit and I close my eyes for a second and I say, okay, I'm going to the island, island of calm. calm. Um, <laughs> and I think about what are the things that need I need to do to get me to that island. Okay. And that's sort of how I help okay. you know, process. But truth be told, um, ever since I was from a very young age, I stillness is not my strength. Okay. Um, I do like being busy, so it does, you know, I am well suited to it. Sure. Um, and I think like anybody else, I mean, if you're susceptible to going really, really quickly a lot, you have to protect yourself from burnout and yeah. that, you know, that looks different for different people. For me, it's, you know, practicing stillness and uh, trying to meditate, although I think I do it wrong. Um, <laughs> I think we all do it wrong. I think we, yeah, Even I me think too. We I, think I think I'm meditating right now. <laughs> as soon as I sit down, I'm like, why am I thinking about the grocery yeah. list? Like, this can't be right. <laughs> Must be missing something. Yeah. Um, but that's sort of how I help, you know, keep myself okay. on my island of calm when I need it. So let's backtrack a little. Because sure. you're not that old. You're not old at all. Who was Sam Hewitt as a kid? As oh, a kid. Gosh, tell us a little should, bit about that. You should have my mom here. My mom would tell you awesome stories. Believe it or not, you probably won't believe this, believe it or not, as a kid, I was ultra shy. Really? Ultra shy. I would follow my mom around at six years old. She was not, I couldn't let her out of my sight. Okay. I was super shy. I was a very shy kid. 
Um, my mom tells me, tells me this story, she tell, she'll tell it to you sometimes, I'm sure, where um, I, I got called to the principal's office oh. and the principal called my mom. And my mom was like, no, 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 you have Are the you wrong sure? kid. Yeah, yeah, for sure you have the wrong kid. And they're like, no, it's definitely your kid. So sure enough, she you know trots down to the school and I'm sitting in the principal's office and she says, what happened? And the principal said, uh, your daughter pushed a boy. And my mom says, that's impossible. Yeah. And the principal, she pushed a boy. So my mom says, what happened? And I said, I pushed him. And I says, well, why? And I said, well, he pulled my hair. Yeah. And Good the principal you. says to the teacher, I never saw that. That we, that didn't happen. Yeah. She's making it up. My mom says, my child does not make things up. Let her go back to class. We'll deal with this later. So back to class I go. Uh, the next day, again, the principal calls. No. <laughs> so my mom finds the teacher and says, I want you to watch my daughter at recess. So sure enough, the teacher goes out. And every time I would skip through the playground, this boy would pull my hair. Oh. And I would turn around and push him. Good for you. So from then on in, my mom said, if a boy pushes you again, if he touches your hair, if he does anything you're not comfortable with, you punch him in the face. <laughs> Great advice, Mama Hewitt. Great advice. I Mama. love that. So I never did punch anyone in the face, but as a, as a kid, I was very shy. Wow. Very, very shy. So then, yeah. okay, so as you kind of evolve into... And I evolve evolve. into this, But now, yeah. like, you were one of the top agents in Toronto GTA. That's a huge shift from super shy to being out there. Yeah, huge so, shift, huge shift. What was it, like how, tell me that path. Like, how did you, did you always want to be a realtor? I don't know. I you, didn't, no, oh, yeah. I didn't. I um, I actually, you know, I, I sort of had a great, uh, I loved school. Yeah. Uh, given what I do, it really makes sense. I loved school, I loved learning, um, and I loved high school. Like, I, a lot of people hated it. There yeah. were times I hated it, but I had a good high school Great. career. I had, I was on the honor roll, I was yeah. president of the athletic council, yeah. I was female athlete of the year. Wow. And then I went to university and I fell flat on my face in the first year. I couldn't make friends. I had anxiety. I hated class. It was so big. I felt, you know, nameless and faceless. And I really had a hard time kind of finding my way. And my parents got my grades and they were like, (laughs) you're coming home. (laughs) So I came home after first year. I was at Mac and uh, my mom said, you got to figure this out. Like, what are you doing? You can't just go to school and get bad grades and not have a path. And so I came home and fumbled around for a little bit. And a girlfriend of mine was working in a real estate office as a receptionist. Yeah. And she said, I can get you a job. Come work here part time. So I did. Her and I, you know, had fun and answered phones and, you know, book showing. Yeah, I yeah. talked to realtors. And um, this man came in. Their number one agent came in. And I hadn't met him yet. And he was standing over the front desk. It was one of those elevated front desks where, you know, the receptionists are sort of down here. And he's above us. And he sort of passed by. And it was in the days when the agents used to have to mark themselves in. So you knew they were in the office. Yeah. Right? So he walks by and he says, can you mark me in? And he just sort of keeps walking. And I said, I don't know who that is. But my friend had been on break and it was just me. So I'm like, oh, now what do I do? So I said, I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know your name. And he walks back and he's standing right above me. And he puts his hand down on the table and he says, you don't know who I am? And I said, no, no. I don't. Yeah. So he told me his name, which I won't tell you. He's still in the business. And uh, he said, I am so-and-so. And he smacked his hand down again, right in front of my face. And I said, thank you so much, so-and-so. And so we walked away and my friend came back and sat down and I said, that? So pleasant. Sure. <laughs> and we started having this conversation and she said, well, I don't get it. Like, do you want to be a realtor? And I said, I, I haven't really thought about it. And she yeah. said, well, he's not smarter than you are. Yeah. He's not better with people, obviously. Yeah, yeah. If you want to do it, go do it. Love it. 
So I became an assistant to one of the top agents in the office at the time, a woman, um, and that was an instrumental experience for me, learning from her and, you know, having her mentor me and and listening to the way she communicated to people. And it, it gave me that feeling where even her, even my mentor, I realized there wasn't a lot of fundamental <clears throat> skills separating the two of us. Okay. And I thought I could do what she did. Great. So uh, I didn't have a driver's license. <laughs> which is a small problem for the <laughs> Just a tiny. Just a tiny one. And there was I, no Uber back in the day. There was no Uber at that point in time. Don't age me too much. Uh, but there was no Uber at the time. And so I got, uh, I went and got my license and I bought my very first car and I drove that car the very first day I picked it up. To Royal Page Signature, and I signed right. my agent, you know, like my agent contract or whatever. And yeah, and the rest is all history. The rest is history. So you went from top producing agent to director of realtor development. That's correct. Yes. What was that moment in time that made you do that? Because from an outsider, you have everything going for you. Oh, thanks. To then thanks. stop. To yeah. do something else? What was it? Was yeah, it be, one thing? It wasn't one thing. No, it was a combination of things. I mean, I think, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you're someone from the public, I think, you know, being a realtor is a tremendous job. It really is. But it is very difficult. Yes. And it's demanding and it's emotional and it's, you know, you, there's a, a high level of skill that goes into it. And I think the challenge sometimes is that the really good realtors... Yeah make it look so easy that I think sometimes the public goes, well, that looks easy. Can't be that hard. Whereas it's tremendously difficult. And I have such respect for anyone in this industry that's out there, you know, trying to bring value to the people that they serve. Um, And for me, I mean, I I wanted something more. I wanted bigger. I've always, you know, I always sort of mentored people when I was on the sales side if a new agent joined the office. You know, Jeff or Chris, the the broker owners of the company, would say, well, go talk to Sam Hewitt. She can help you. She'll answer some questions. Um, I brought on someone to my team who, same thing, her father was one of my clients. And he said, will you let my daughter follow you around for a little bit? And I was like, sure, no problem. Yeah. You know, I, I really liked that. It was a part of what kind of gave me that mentorship bug. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, I wanted a bigger platform. Okay. And I wanted to do... I wanted to spend more time doing what I loved, which at the end of the day is helping people become the best version of who they want to be. You also have an incredibly magnetic personality, which I think when Chris and Jeff, and huge shout out to them, when they say that, like, oh, I just, it should be just, it should be like a hashtag, just ask Sam. Just um, ask Sam. <laughs> but it, there's comfort in knowing that you're going to take care of them. And that's that magnetic personality that, that you have, that when people are in crisis or whatever, there's an issue, you're the first person that comes to mind that they come to you. And that's tough for you to always deal with. Um, I, I do want to talk, I want to go uh, backtrack just a little bit because you did say something very, very powerful. powerful. Me as a former educator, I, you explained you had a wicked high school experience and then you jumped into the quasi real world of post-secondary education and how you felt is how so many people feel. Mm-hmm. So many students have felt that. Um, what I love was is that you had enough of the self-awareness, maybe it was your mom kind of being like, well, okay, so we're sitting, you down. what are you doing now, right? So kind of having that hard discussion, you realizing being like, okay, so then I'm gonna try this out. And you became incredibly successful doing that. What was it, apart from having your mom kind of talk to you about like, hey, you can't continue doing this, was there something else that kind of like clicked for you 
like for like for even the students listening in, first year university students, college students, whatever, like they will all feel that. We've all felt yes. the way that you felt. Yeah. Well, what's the th- like? What nugget of advice would you give them? I, I think you know my uh, shout out to my stepdaughter Kyra. She's going to university in September. So she, she leaves in just the month. I can't believe it. <laughs> and uh, she's going away. Yeah. And uh, we're really proud of her. And she's a super smart girl. She has great grades. And you know I I, I got I, chills. I miss the teacher in me. I don't know why. When I hear things like that, I just I, I worry about her a little bit because it's it's a different experience, and the kids Huge. are younger now than they were when we went. Yes. I was nineteen, me too. Um, and she'll be seventeen. She is seventeen, and so it's it's a different experience. I think one of the things I would say to the students that I said to her is I said I think number one you have to be patient with yourself mm-hmm. and realize it's a completely different world. Okay. Um, and I think number two you have to sort of have an idea of what what is your goal? What are you hoping to get out of it? Sure. Um, you know, for me, I, I didn't really know. I knew I didn't want to live at home with my parents. Um, mm. And I knew I, I thought at the time, believe it or not, I was taking gerontology. I wanted to open retirement homes. Okay. Um, and, but I, I didn't, I hadn't quite made the, the connection to taking this, this degree versus getting to my goal. Okay. And so I think for students, I would really say, you don't have to have it all figured out. But there is a lot of value in figuring out what do the steps look like and how can I get some information and who can I talk to and and how can I sort of figure out is this what I want because I don't think there's shame in achieving your goal and realizing it isn't what you want but I, I also it. don't think there's shame in getting part way and saying this isn't for me. I love that. And you know, for me, university wasn't for me. Don't mistake what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I had a great time. <laughs> I had a lovely time. Cut. Let's. <laughs> I didn't. That's because I didn't go to class. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't really, and and it wasn't that I didn't like the learning. I just didn't like the the facilitation of the learning. I didn't yeah. like the the big huge room and you know the the the, the institution of it wasn't for me. And do you think that that experience has allowed you to be so connected with the one on one, like your role now? Yeah. Like you're like that. That wasn't a good experience. I didn't like it. I, I did that as a teacher. I hated that type of massive experience. Yes. I'm just a number and I'm like, I don't want to do, I won't do that when I was in the class. So do you think that's part of? I think so. Okay. I think so. I mean, I did, I did go back to college when I came sure. home. I was working part-time as a receptionist and I went back to my parents and said, if you're going to get an education, you got to pay for it yourself now. Sure. Wow. We gave you the chance. We Good. paid for first year. You flunked. Come home. Too bad for you. So I had to figure it out and I couldn't, I couldn't. I not only could I not afford to go back to a, a local university here in Toronto, but I didn't know what I wanted to do, so it didn't make sense to spend the money. And so I took a college course, and college was amazing. Yeah, and yeah. I think for the young people listening, yes. like it, it's a completely different animal, and yeah. it's smaller classes, and the teachers will talk to you, and you can get FaceTime, and it's a different style of learning. Um, and it was tremendous for me. I loved it. I went to Seneca. Shout out to Seneca for the nice. great things they're doing. Um, I finished a two-year program. I had a plus average and I was a great student it was just more what I was looking for and then I jumped in full time and you had your party partying under control I did yeah. okay that's well, probably a plus average. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was looking at home again so there were stricter rules uh can we talk about this because you're so good at like helping people to do the things that they need to do in their business all new agents coming out because there's quite a massive turnover rate in our industry yeah, what's the one or two things this is a tough question what's the one or two things that you would love to impart on every new agent coming out or and it could be the same message for those even contemplating wanting to become a realtor what are those two one or two nuggets that you'd like to impart on them yeah because you've seen you've seen it 
you've seen it all. I've seen it all. I, I think, you know, the, what I try to really impart on people when they're starting yeah. is that, um, you know, it, it, it's about the connection and the face-to-face, voice-to-voice communication with people. And it's about getting in front of people. Yeah. So if that's through social, through video, you know, on the phone, networking events, you know, in your community, in your neighborhood, you have to get in front of people and yeah. you have to, to, to speak your why. You've got to be able to tell people why you wanted to become a realtor. I mean, anybody can say, I, I like houses, but really what pushed you to spend the time and the effort to take the courses to get into this business? What do you believe about real estate? And the second thing I say to people is, it's a lot of heavy lifting in the beginning. Yeah. It's, you know, you, you've got to figure out, you know, we spend a lot of time at, at Royal Page Signature really helping people figure out what is your strategy and yeah. here are some, here's how we suggest you set it up. Yeah. You know, take what we've already laid out and execute on it. And if you do it consistently, you will be successful. Yeah. But the consistency, whether it's in business or, you know, with a diet or with any other sort of adventure in your life. Yeah. If you're not consistent, you're going to have trouble. Yeah. And that why is really, really important and powerful. Like you have, it has to light a fire every single day to do the things that you know that need to get done and not, and knowing well, very well that you're not going to hit today. You're not going to hit tomorrow. You may not hit this year or the next 10 years, but your why is so strong and prevalent in your life. So strong. And I find even like my short time being full-time real real estate, when I speak to other realtors, they can't definitively come up with a why. Yes. It's a tough question. They're like, um, um, they, they hum and haw about it. But it's such a powerful question, right? Because it's so deeply rooted in our motivation to do so things. So deeply, so deeply. It, in, any, in any position you hold, in any sort of career or job or whatever you do with your, you know, your work life, it's not all sunshine and roses. No. And being a realtor and, and <laughs> you know, doing some of the activities that aren't fun, if you can't find a way to figure out why you're doing what you're doing, it's hard to motivate yourself to do it, right? Yeah. And so that's, I try to help people connect that early on okay. to give you the motivation to do the activities and then follow the activities consistently. Those are my two nuggets. Figure out why you're doing this, figure out what the activities you need to do to achieve your results are and do those things consistently. Okay. And if you're at Royal Page Signature, not that I don't think other brokers <laughs> do this, uh, but if you're at Royal Page Signature, we, you know, we're not perfect for sure, but we get the ability to have a big group of people that are super successful and we get to see what they're doing and you know I think we have a pretty clear idea of what it takes to get where you want to go yeah and if you're consistent you'll get there yeah. we have people that are tremendously successful early on yeah um, other people it takes a few years yeah yeah no and that's a huge shout out to the brokerage and to you Thanks. it's a family it's yeah, it is as dysfunctional as it probably can be at times, like every other family. Like every other family. It is. I have incredible loyalty to this brokerage, and Thanks. it's not the brokerage; it's the people. It's the people. It really is the yeah, people. It's the people. Okay, so let's switch gears a little bit. Um, if let's take a realtor's hat off for a second, <clears throat> what else are you incredibly passionate about? So I know developing people, real estate, things like that. Uh, I know the answer to this, but I want this to be a platform because I think it's so tremendously important um, that we bring more awareness to this. And not just awareness, but like be act, like take action on these things. So why don't you share with us? I'm really passionate about um, women in leadership Um, and just really women in general. Uh, I've always been, um, you know, like, I don't like the term girly girl, but because I'm not, but I've always been sort of a girl's girl. Like I've had a big crew of girlfriends, 
you know, we really support each other. I really believe in helping women and this mentorship idea. Um, and it's a big, it's a big passion of mine. It's a big hot button topic right now that you hear a lot of people talking about. Okay. And for me, it's something I really, really believe in, um, especially as it intersects, you know, with motherhood. Um, because oftentimes, you know, when women become mothers, I certainly experienced it, you, you feel this loss of yourself. Um, and it sounds cliche, but you, you find that you're sort of the bottom of the to-do list because all the other things come first, your work and your kids and your husband and laundry and cooking and all the fun stuff that I hate doing. All of that tends to sort of pile up and then you're at the bottom. Yeah. And so the whole idea behind women in leadership for me is, is really important from a mother perspective because how do we help women try to achieve it all. We fought so hard for equality for all these years, mm -hmm. but I think so many of the other pieces of the puzzle haven't evolved as the women's movement has evolved. Okay. They haven't, <laughs> right? Like they absolutely haven't. And I want to just share a quick story um, because the multitude of hats that you wear as a female, mother, wife, professional, it's constant juggling. And you're absolutely right in that society hasn't set up an environment for that to work in a successful way. So even a, a close friend of mine I know, she went on maternity leave, it was a private company. When she came back, they had simply just changed the title of her role and because of that, they were able to let her go. Just the title of the role, like she went through to a lawyer and everything and it was like, your position no longer exists yes. and because of that, they can let you go. We don't need it. Right? And it's stories like that that really just totally break my heart. Right. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm so fortunate because I've worked for, you know, I, I work with a family and mm -hmm. they, they're, they, they're my family and, yeah. you know, we're not related, but I've been there for so long and I, I have what a lot of women want, which is complete support. Yeah. And I have, you know, I don't. There's no question on my kids are sick or there's a doctor's appointment or I have to go for soccer. There's never a discussion about it. And I think the reason why there isn't is because number one, the men that I work for have clarity on what it means to be a working mom. But number two, I think it's because I've worked really hard at defining what I do and executing on the things I say I'm going to. So whether it's you know, if there's something that we're working on and it has to be done, it's going to get done. Yeah. It may not get done between nine to five, yeah. but it's going to get <laughs> it's done. It's going to get done. Yeah. And, you know, I, I joke in my presentation sometimes if there's like a typo, it's because it's 5 a.m. and I'm sitting in my closet working on my PowerPoint and, you know, <laughs> it's just what happens some days. But it's, you know, that's what a lot of women I think are striving for. And okay. a lot of them don't have what I have, which is the support to be able to try to have it all. So then... How does a woman go out and get that? Yeah, like great, great people, as an answer, you'd be like, "Well, it's easy for you to say, of course, because you have it. Of course, you have it. But I worked for it. True, I worked for it. Would you say you worked harder for it than would, your male counterparts? Um, that's a not saying not saying that like, not that we would know essentially what it would be like to like go on maternity or paternity leave. Some people do, but to wear the multitude of hats as well. Well, I often think that women feel like they have to work twice as hard okay. to be given the same credibility as men. And I think, you know, it, for me, it's almost the opposite. What I don't like about feminism sometimes is I don't like this idea that it's feminism versus men. Mm -hmm. Because in my opinion, it's not. Okay. In my opinion, it's how do we how do we make feminists out of men? 
how do we help men support us so we feel feel empowered yeah. to be able to achieve what it is we're looking to achieve. I really like that. Thank you. I really like that. And when you ask me the question, you know, what, how do you get what I have? I think sometimes it's really just fighting for it. Sure. And sometimes it's through creating relationships with other people and having mentors in the organizations you're working with to be able to say, you know, I need help with this or I need to be able to change this a little bit. You know, the whole um, future of work is really at an interesting point right now because as the millennials are coming in yeah. with their access to technology they've had since they were infants, yeah. you know, I don't think a lot of them give a shit if you tell them to be there at nine. They're like, whatever. I, yeah. I got a phone, you find me, you know, big deal. Yeah. So I, I think sometimes you have to fight for it, but right. I think it's also collectively as a society we can work towards it. Okay. Um, I know you were featured on the Women Up Conference. I was, uh, yes, At our annual Trap Fest. I was there. It was amazing. Thank you. Thanks. It was such an empowering seminar to be a part of, even as a male, because it was, they're doing, they're operating at levels I can't even fathom right now. And it wasn't that I was looking at them at fema- as females. I was looking at them as just human individuals. Yes. Like, it's, it's phenomenal. And I agree with you that I believe women have to work at least twice as hard. Sometimes, sometimes we do. There's no question, sometimes we do. Sometimes it's, you know, it's hard to break down those old patterns and those old molds. And, you know, it, it, sometimes it feels like an uphill battle, but other times, you know, I hear exciting stories. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a friend of mine who uh, just had her third baby, um, not on purpose. And <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, her, her, her third son is uh, 10 months old. And I saw her last week I said you know what are you going back to work and she said I am and I said that's amazing I said how are you going to manage with three young kids and the cost of daycare and you know just the whole juggle and she said well I went in and I said this is what I need to come back and you know I need to have a little bit of flexibility in the morning and I need to be able to sometimes work from home a couple days a week good and they said sure no problem and I said, well, that's really interesting. And she said, well, the interesting thing is that our our team, our, our leadership team that makes these decisions is now 50% women. Wow. And so I said, well, do you think it's the women that are the ones sort of fighting for this? And she said, maybe a little bit, but she said, I feel like in her organization anyways, she said, I feel like a lot of the men who are married to women like her are also now realizing the struggle that their wives are going through. Yeah. You know, some women want to stay home and raise kids and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I applaud them. Yeah. For me, it's not what I want to do. And so if it's not, how do you create harmony in your life while trying to achieve all the things you want to achieve? So how do we build capacity then? As a former educator, I know that our educational system um, is failing the females that we're teaching or to be role models for. We're failing in that. So you had shared with us, then, you know, if you want it, then go after it. Know that you're going to have a bit of an uphill battle at times. You may have to work twice, three times as hard. Mm-hmm. But getting be- before getting to that point, what would you say we would need to do to collectively build more capacity in the younger generation? Because it's great. I get, I get it. I truly do. I want even my daughter to get to a point where she's, you know, exceeding every expectation here there under the sun but do we have the sheer number of candidates that are capable of filling in these roles of leadership is it just 
a, a, a point where there actually are more males than there are females? And if so, why are there so less females capable of, of, of performing at this level? Well, I think, I don't think it's capability in terms of skill level. Okay. I think it's capability in terms of what the system looks like. Okay. I mean, you know, the, the in, in my parents' day anyways, you know, men went out and had three martini lunches and the women <laughs> stayed home and it was like madmen. Um, but, you know, if you want more women in leadership, you have to change the definition of what leadership looks like. Love it. And, you know, leadership doesn't have to mean... Um, you know, FaceTime. It doesn't have to mean 5.30 cocktails after work. It doesn't have to mean, you know, long weekends in the office away from your family. I mm -hmm. think, you know, the metrics around how you define leadership, I think, are evolving, and I think they need to continue to evolve because the studies show that when you have, you know, women on your executive team and when you have women on boards, they perform better than yes. their all-male counterparts. Yes. And so it's not that we're not, women aren't capable. It's not that there are enough candidates out there. I truly believe it's that the definition of work needs to change. It does. And I think that's why you're seeing so many women get into entrepreneurship because they have control over their own destiny. And just because you pick your kids up at three doesn't mean you can't be super successful and you're not capable of running your own business. I absolutely love it. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Please stay tuned for part two next week. As always, be great, be kind, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye.